This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, February 2nd. You're listening to WNBF. A Broome County resident faces up to five years in prison after he admitted making threats to harm Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Federal authorities said 51-year-old Joseph Francis Morelli of Endicott pled guilty Wednesday to leaving threatening messages to the voicemail of a Washington, D.C. office of a member of Congress. A large contingent of law enforcement officers, including the FBI, executed a pre-dawn raid on Morelli's Oak Hill Avenue apartment last March 17th. Armored vehicles had staged in a Watson Boulevard parking lot about an hour before heading to the building several blocks away. Morelli was taken into custody without incident. He had been accused of transmitting interstate threatening communications. According to an affidavit, Morelli left seven threatening messages at Taylor Greene's D.C. congressional office on March 3rd and March 4th of last year. In one, Morelli allegedly identified himself and provided his phone number. He then said, you've got a big effing mouth and I'm going to show you what violence is really about. In a recording, the man who said he was Morelli stated he could pay someone 500 bucks to take a baseball bat and crack your skull. He added, you are going to get effing physically hurt. As part of his guilty plea, Morelli admitted placing a series of threatening phone calls to Taylor Greene's office. He is scheduled to be sentenced on June 1st. In addition to a five-year prison term, he could be fined up to $250,000. In a press release on Tuesday, New York State Governor Kathy Hochul announced that the 16-charger electric vehicle fast charging site at the Hancock Town Hall in Delaware County is now open. Governor Hochul stated electrifying the transportation sector will enable us to advance our bold climate action goals. We are prioritizing our clean transportation future by installing the largest electric vehicle fast charging hub in the southern tier, helping boost the clean energy economy of tomorrow and driving New Yorkers to choose cleaner and greener modes of transportation. The charging site includes eight universal charging ports and eight supercharger ports by Tesla for its electric vehicles. The site gives electric vehicle drivers traveling across the southern tier on Interstate 86 and Route 17 a convenient location to recharge and get back on the road. The hopes, dreams, and wishes of the Binghamton area Chick-fil-A fans over a restaurant being built in the southern tier may finally be coming true. Rumblings of a Chick-fil-A restaurant opening somewhere in Broome County have been roaring for the last year or so. It all started when someone noticed that there were job openings posted on a job search website looking for people interested in working various capacities at a soon-to-be-open Chick-fil-A restaurant in Binghamton. When we heard about the job postings, we visited the online sites and confirmed there were jobs posted. In February of 22, we reached out to Chick-fil-A to inquire whether or not the job postings were legitimate. An automated response from Chick-fil-A would not confirm but did tell us that we could call and leave a message letting the company know where we thought a Chick-fil-A restaurant should be built. Not long after we reached out to the Chick-fil-A corporate office, the jobs posted on the online sites were removed and things got very quiet. In the summer of 2022, we heard rumblings again that a restaurant had been planned to be built in Vestal, but was met with red tape and squashed. Then in the fall of 2022, speculation began to pour in that a Chick-fil-A was in fact coming and that it would be built at the Oakdale Commons. But just as quickly as speculation built up, things suddenly got quiet again. Today, we can tell you that Chick-fil-A is likely coming into Broome County at some point. What's not clear is exactly where the restaurant will be built or if it will be multiple restaurants in Vestal, Johnson City, and Binghamton as representatives from Chick-fil-A have yet to return our calls. However, according to multiple news sources, Vestal Town Supervisor John Schaefer has confirmed that Chick-fil-A has assured him that they have plans to come to Broome County. Schaefer also noted that there's a chance that the restaurant chain may open not one but three locations in Broome County. 
Christopher Vandermark, age 57, for, formerly of Gansevoort, New York, now a resident of Endicott, New York, was sentenced yesterday to five years of probation following his guilty plea to a money laundering conspiracy designed to conceal proceeds from a multi-state unemployment insurance fraud scheme. At the time of his guilty plea, Vandermark admitted to corresponding via online messages for over a year with a co-conspirator who represented herself to be a woman living in North Carolina. The co-conspirator directed Vandermark to open accounts at multiple financial institutions, as well as provide her with routing details for his existing accounts. From June 2020 through early April 2021, Vandermark's accounts received transfers of more than $88,000 in fraudulently obtained unemployment insurance benefits from six states. Vandermark purchased hundreds of gift cards from local retailers using the benefits, photographed the identifying numbers on the cards, and sent the photographs to the co-conspirator. After Vandermark provided the identifying numbers, the co-conspirator could sell the gift cards online as part of an effort to conceal the original source of the funds. Vandermark admitted that he received and ignored multiple warnings from multiple financial institutions that his actions furthered an unemployment insurance fraud scheme. Additionally, when law enforcement agents interviewed Vandermark regarding approximately $37,000 in fraudulently obtained unemployment insurance benefits transferred to his account at a local bank, Vandermark falsely denied holding the account and receiving the funds. Following the law enforcement interview, Vandermark opened yet another financial account and received an additional $13,734 in benefits from three states, which he used to purchase more gift cards that he photographed and sent to his co-conspirator. Senior United States District Judge Gary L. Sharp also ordered Vandermark to pay restitution in the amount of $13,734 and to forfeit the same amount of money as proceeds of his crime. It's Groundhog Day, and people are waiting to learn whether a furry critter in western Pennsylvania town will predict an early spring or six more weeks of winter. People will gather today at Gobbler's Knob as members of Puxatawney Phil's inner circle summon him from his tree stump at dawn to learn if he has seen his shadow. According to folklore, if he sees his shadow, there will be six more weeks of winter. If he doesn't, spring comes early. The annual event in Puxatawney originated from a German legend about a furry rodent. Officials are hoping the usual crowd of between 10,000 to 15,000 visitors comes out for the event. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, sunny with a high near 34. Tonight's snow showers mainly after midnight, a low near 7 degrees, wind chill as low as negative 5, and wind gusts as high as 26 miles per hour, 80% chance of snow. Tomorrow, snow showers likely mainly before noon. Patchy blowing snow after 9 a.m., mostly cloudy and cold with a high near 9 degrees. Wind chill as low as negative 15 and wind gusts as high as 32 miles per hour, 70% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, a slight chance of snow showers before 1 a.m. Patchy blowing snow before 1 a.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 0 degrees. Wind chill as low as negative 17. Wind gusts as high as 29 miles per hour, 20% chance of snow. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 21. Saturday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 20. And Sunday, cloudy with a high near 42. Sunday night, cloudy, a low near 31 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. Bob Joseph. Today is. Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. I'm Binghamton Bob, and I can tell you this. I have seen my shadow, and what does that mean for you? It means six more months of fine programming. 
every weekday morning from 9 to noon on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Yeah, I think that's what it means. Uh, what else? Seriously, what else could it mean? Does anybody really know for sure? In a crowd in a city like Martin, undercover on the edge, I'm rolling. Faces step across at me with eyes that look but cannot see. Out of reach, out of love, stepping out of bounds. 607-772-1290. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Give me a call. I want to know what's on your mind. As we look forward to spring and summer. And let us begin our proceedings with who knows who from who knows where. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? And where are you calling from? DJ from Binghamton. Woohoo! Overcomer Bob is back. He doesn't need a respiratory machine. He doesn't need anything. Six more months of Binghamton Bob. Yep. I, my my contract has officially been renewed after several days of intensive negotiations involving my people and their people. Uh, we have reached a yes. consensus. I am very, very happy, my brother, from another mother. And you and I, you've got to come to my house after work one of these days, and we're going to have the most delicious, delicious, scrumptious, Puxatawney Spielberger with barbecue sauce on it that you have ever had. You know, I hunt groundhogs and blackberries. Did you know that? Well, anything really that moves. But. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And of course, you know, I'm the New York State chapter president of PETA. Oh, yeah. People eating tasty animals. I have that shirt. You know, if you want to just get us in trouble right off the bat, man. (laughs) Notice how, you know, I can't help it. I'm already talking about Batman, and then people are going to say, but what about Robin? Don't you care about Robin? And I say, of course I do. I'm looking for the first Robin of spring. So it's on your mind. Um, I just wanted to say, hey, welcome you back, man. It's a beautiful, we had like, I don't know how many like cloudy days, you know, and it's just beautiful out. And I wanted to say that I, I'm glad you're doing great. Um, Ted Nugent has a show on Real America's Voice. It's called The Spirit Campfire. It comes on, Ted Nugent's Spirit Campfire. It comes. I want to tell you something he said that's funny. It comes on uh, Friday night at 10 p.m. Ted Nugent's Spirit Campfire on Roku, Real America's Voice. He says a groundhog, is, he calls it a little cow. He says it's really good eating. He doesn't like people eating chicken. He says that chickens, you know, poop on themselves. That's what Ted Nugent says. Or eat their own eat their own food. Yeah, that's what he said. So, yeah, Puxatani, so I don't believe in folklore, Bob. Do you? You don't really believe it, do you? I don't believe in it, but I, I, think, it, to, I think it's harmless. I mean, the whole, yeah, it's harmless. the whole thing that we do every year on February 2nd, I think it's innocuous. I think it's, <clears throat> eh, 
It's kind of it's it's some would say frivolous or meaningless, and I say, yeah, of course, like almost everything we talk about. Yeah, yeah, we need to learn to have more fun. Hey, what do you think? Are you going to see eighty for Brady with those four <laughs> elderly women that are all like into Tom Brady? Uh, you hear about that movie? Uh, no, I didn't. But it sa- definitely sounds like something I don't want to know. Any, <laughs> please, no, no, don't tell anything more. I, the image I have, unfortunately, I'm stuck with for the rest of my life. Let's talk about something fun. Um, baseball season will be starting soon. Baseball starts in a couple of months, so that's good. Now it's too cold to sit in that thing. I don't go to. I, I start going to baseball. Uh, if it's a nice warm day in May. Well, last year was the exception. You'll remember, maybe you won't remember, but I remember distinctly on opening day 2022 at 635, it was about 65 degrees and sunny. Now, do I expect opening day this year to be anywhere near as delightful? No, but I'll be there. It was sunny? It was. It was was remarkable. Of course... That was deceptive because they, I think they had one really nice day followed by two weeks of more uh, typical April weather. But still, it was nice to see a lot of people back at the ballpark. Speaking of the Rumble Ponies, uh, you know, where my brother lives over there, I had a good little crowd. And I, was, I was preaching to the crowd, right? And this lady said, you're not a preacher, blah, blah, blah. So I walked over to the um, Binghamton Mets uh, uh Rumble ponies, and this guy, this this older man, is telling this uh, younger man, "My wife's in the hospital, and uh, she fell and broke her hip. And then, not just that, but my my brother passed away this morning. So the guy's like, oh, okay, have a nice day.' He walks away, right? So I walk up to the guy, and say, "Hey, I overheard you saying," and the, um, he said, "Yeah, my brother passed away this morning. My wife's in the hospital." And I asked him if he was a believer. He said, oh, yeah, I'm a believer. And so I prayed with him, right? He ended up being having a profession. He, he traveled around with a yo-yo, Bob, back in the days, him and his wife, doing shows for children at schools and reform schools and church youth groups and all that. And um, he said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to go. Here, you want these tickets? And he gave me the tickets to the, to the Rumble Ponies game. That was a blessing. I prayed with him. I prayed with him, and I, I laid my hands on him. He was really hurt. He was hurting. Because his wife was in the hospital with a broken hip, and his brother, biological brother, passed away. So I, I prayed with him. That's my last game. All right. Well, I hope to see you at the at the ballpark sometime this season. Yeah, you w- you'll see me. I'll see you. You know what? Maybe we'll have a night. Maybe we'll have uh, a night for uh, only not only, but to honor people who listen to this program. What would you think about that? Aren't you? Don't you sit up in the box? No. I want to find Carol. You know, I was talking. I, was I mean, talking uh, uh, let me correct that. Have I ever? Yes, but do I usually? No, no. Usually, so you're I'm just in the regular seat. Oh yeah, you're in the regular seat. Okay, yeah, most of the time. But again, there have been occasions. I would say maybe once or twice a season where I'll be up in in. I'll call it a special section, but you know, ninety. Ninety-nine percent of the time, look for me. I'm there, out, out, among all the fans. Well, Bob, let me tell you something real quick. I looked for Carol. I was at the St. Mary's Bazaar on Holly Street. I was sitting, 
and having my lunch with John from Binghamton and his wife that used to run the tailor shop on Main Street. And I was talking to him, and he says, Carol's over over there. I just saw Carol. I said, Carol from WNBF. But I kept on talking to him. If Carol's listening, call up. I kept on talking to, to John. So finally, I went over, and they said she was in the baked goods section, you know, where you go around. I saw Broom County District. I talked to him, too. He's so much fun. Michael Korczak and his wife are funny. And uh, they're real personal, nice people. So anyway, I'm trying to find Carol. She she had left. So I almost met Carol. So anyway. All right. Stay tuned. 920 WNBF. More calls. More often. 607-772-1290. Morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Vic from Herkerfort. All right. What's up, Vic? Hey, I'm calling because of a breaking news story I'm going to create. Uh, I'm suing the Susquehanna River Basin because the Susquehanna River decided to run downstream. I don't think that lawsuit is uh, any more fabulous than the one Hunter Biden doing, suing Trump and Tucker Carlson because of the laptop information getting out. No, I think the only question I have about um, Mr. Biden is what took him so long. I, I think I've maintained this from the beginning that the, the people, people responsible for releasing his private information to into the public, um, yeah, action needs to be taken. I think I think he should have done this months ago, and finally there may be hope for justice. This is not acceptable in the United States for anyone to take uh, another person's laptop and put the information out onto the Fox News or the front page of the New York Post. It's just not something we can tolerate, nor should we. Actually, actually Bob, the guy that did that is a hero. Uh, if you think about it, we got a Hunter Biden committing a, a wire fraud and everything else on that thing. Uh, uh, Babalucci's uh, statements have been confirmed that Joe Biden's the big guy. Um, so, so the guy that owned that video shop after 90 days when it was abandoned, he had every right he wanted to open up that laptop and go in and look and see what it is. It's no longer personal when you give it away, and that's exactly what Hunter Biden did. He gave it away. Well, I appreciate your opinion. The show uh, offers all sorts of opinions, and I appreciate all opinions. If you have an opinion, share it at 607-772-1290. You can also send an email to bob at wnbf.com. Coming up next hour, we'll talk with Broome County Executive Jason Garner about the issues facing the county of Broome. Bob Joseph live on News Radio, WNBF, wnbf.com. Would you like a car? I bet you would like a car. Most people would. And a lot of people around here, when they're in the market for a new or used vehicle, automatically think of Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal, across from Binghamton University, the Miller Auto Team, is there for you. And they have been there for you for a long time. And they'll be there on the Parkway for a long time to come. They're open tonight till 7, so if you're looking for a new Honda or a new Hyundai or a previously owned vehicle, by all means, 
put Miller Motors on your to-do list, whether it's this morning, this afternoon, or even this evening, or maybe if you're busy today or tomorrow, stop by on Saturday from 9 to 4. The Miller Auto Team, 4455 Vestal Parkway East. They will help you get the vehicle that is appropriate for you and for your family. And if you want more information, go online to MillerAutoTeam.com. Miller Motors, helping you and all sorts of people like you get the exact vehicle that they need. It's 924 Bob Joseph with you on WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and available on the free WNBF app. Nine twenty seven WNBF WNBF dot com. Bob Joseph live. What do you have to say for yourself? I'd like to know what your thoughts are on this Thursday morning. I've been in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. I'd have said the right thing, but it must have used the wrong line. Take a look at the weather. It uh, certainly is very weather-like out there, as you would expect. Here's the official forecast. Looks quite nice, actually. Sunny today, high 34. Tonight, snow showers, mainly after midnight, low 7. Wind chills dropping to minus 5. Winds could gust as high as 26 miles an hour. Snow accumulation overnight, less than an inch. Friday looks intriguing if you're able to view it from a big picture window next to a roaring fire. Mostly cloudy, snow showers likely, especially in the morning, patchy blowing snow tomorrow. High 9, wind chills during the day about minus 15. It'll be blustery tomorrow, northwest winds gusting to 32 snow accumulation tomorrow less than an inch and the outlook for the weekends not as not as fun partly sunny saturday high 21 cloudy sunday high 42 right now in downtown binghamton they say and you know who they are they say it's 14 in the wind chill they say Six, And for those who keep track of all the statistics, the two-point is seven. Okay, and the barometer is 30.07. Humidity, 64%. The winds out of the southwest at nine. There will be a wind chill warning in effect from tomorrow, 7 a.m. until Saturday at noon. So, there's your frost. Now you have to go find your pumpkin. It's like, where did you leave your pumpkin? 
three months ago. It's the only way you're going to get frost on your pumpkin if, if you can find it. Let's go back to the phones at 930 WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, good morning, Bob. Dave from Bestel. No, welcome back. You're all in one piece, I see. So they say. <laughs> uh, well, it's good. It's good to have you back. You know what? And you, I think you just, you brought up a good idea. You should host. You should host a party for the listeners, and and they could do like uh, you know what they do with reunions. We can stick our. Uh, you know, Bob from Best, we'll have stickers on us, name tags. We'll know who we are then. That would be fun. I think it's a good idea. Sure, I agree. I agree. I yeah. am I am ready. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just checked the WNBF Twitter feed. <laughs> I can't tell you what it says, but it features me. <laughs> I'm just laughing. Oh my gosh, I love I love everything about this place. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry okay. I oh, interrupted. That's, okay. that's all right. You're getting back and you're catching up and uh, well that's uh well yeah, no, I I like that idea. Yeah, it'd be nice to meet some of the people that that I hear talk all the time. Um before I go though, Bob, a little bit, just a little bit of politics. You know, I hate to bomb away, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. But I just want to bring up Trump in the primary coming up. Um, I see Nikki Haley's running now, and my question to you: Do you know any rules? Do you know the rules about campaign finance? Because Trump can't lose if there's more than one person in that primary. In other words, if it came down to one and one, like he could lose to DeSantis. But the more that's in it, the better for him because he'll win a plurality. So could he take could he take a bunch of his money and, and keep somebody in? Could he donate some from his war chest to say like a Nikki Haley and, and make sure someone else stays in? And that way he wins. Oh, I don't know. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way, and not to be unnecessarily harsh, I don't think he's ever let the rules get in the way of his actions previously. <laughs> well, yeah, but I was just curious what your thoughts would be on that. Could you do something like that? Well, could I do something like that? No, no I couldn't because it's probably against the law. But you're asking about him, and therefore, yes, could he? Sure. Would he? Probably. Sure. Why 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 would the law or why would the rules cause him to even pause for a moment? I mean, he's a billionaire. As as we've ascertained in in the past, the rules of normal society don't apply to billionaires. Well, people were complaining before he wasn't using his war chest to help out his uh, his fellow Republicans. Uh, well, I'm not complaining. Like so, I hey, he, it's his money. It's his money. He should do whatever he wants with it. If he wants to support his candidacy, if he wants to support anybody in particular, or if he doesn't want to support anyone, it's his money. You know, let him. Just like I would not, I would not, for a moment, think that it's appropriate for me to tell you how to spend your money. Nobody should tell him how to spend his money. If he wants to use his personal cash or campaign cash to support himself or someone else, hey, let him do what he wants. He does anyway. 
Well, no, there's rule, but but there's. I know they have rules, Bob. I just don't know what what they are. But I'm just curious because he can't. Do you agree with me? He can't lose a primary. The more that's in it, he won't lose because of the diehard base he has. The rest will split up the vote, and and that's how it'll be. And, oh, I don't agree. No, I I hear what you say, but I don't agree yeah. with you. No, I mean you're free to say that. I don't agree, but unless they drop out, and they usually drop out because they they start losing money. They don't have the money to stay in. And then in 2016, it came down to him and Cruz. Remember, they were the only two left. If that happens and it comes down to like just him and DeSantis, then I think he could lose. But other than that, he won't. I don't know about him. I I won't predict, but I will say, you know, for a low energy candidate, you know. uh, the Republicans, and I know it's still relatively early, but time moves fast. Republicans yeah. are liable to latch on to a high energy candidate for their their standard bearer in twenty twenty four, and I, I don't see any reason why the majority of Republicans would want a low energy candidate to go up against whoever the Democrats nominate. Let the only stipulation being it's not going to be Joe Biden. Democrats are liable to nominate their own high energy candidate. So if low energy, if a low energy candidate is uh, representing the Republicans in November of next year, they're going to get trounced. So they need somebody who's high energy and someone, I think, also someone who has new ideas, new ideas for the party and even some new ideas for the country. I think that's that's the road back into the White House for the GOP. Yep. Well, high energy, though, Bob. I mean, to have more energy than Trump, even at his age, they're going to have to be feeding him something. Have you have you seen him lately? I mean, the only thing, the only consolation I take out of his recent public appearances and pronouncements, he makes me look like I have high energy. I mean, I, I don't know what he's done to himself, but he, he better he better get back on whatever he was using when he was in the White House because he stopped using it. He stopped using it. And, again, it's fine by me. If he wants to become a, a low-energy former president, it's no, it's no business of mine. I liked the guy better when he had high energy. What happened to well, him? Well, we, well, because we, we, he's not ready for the full-blown rallies. Yeah, you know, once those get going, Bob, you're going to see him jumping around like a spring chicken, screaming, turning red. Oh, you'll see. <laughs> okay, I hope so. I hope so. 9.36 at WNBF. It's Thursday morning. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Bob from Vestal. Oh, hey there. Good morning. I gotta disagree with you immediately. Okay. Sure, it's your program. Okay. Well. Okay. If Trump is bombastic and uh, you liberals say that's wrong, and then when he's trying to be more presidential, you say that's wrong. I'm telling you, you people drive me nuts. I'll tell you that James Kelly. My vote's in for him. He did a great job this week. He let people talk. He did not, no politics, hardly any politics. It was great. And I told him, man, I wish you were on here every day. <laughs> you know how I am. But, 
Yeah, it was good just to hear people's opinion without your opinion constantly in there. You know what I mean, Gene? All right? Sure. That's all I want to say. Just same old thing. You're never going to say anything I like, so. It's 9.38, Bob Joseph Live, 607-772-1290 is the number. What are your thoughts? What are your views? Hey, give me a call. Maybe we'll put you on the air. Only time will tell. Coming up next hour, about 30 minutes from now, I'll be talking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. I'll ask him a few questions. Live on the radio from WNBF. Uncle Sam. News Radio 1290, WNBF. So it starts recording? Nine forty-two with WNBF's Bob Jones. Back to phones we go. It's Tom in Endicott. Good morning. You're on the air. Oh, good morning. Um, hey, I just wanted to thank you for being back on the air. Uh, I, after listening to last Thursday's discussion of Binghamton, I was a little concerned of the long discussion, and and the wrong people can read that the wrong way. And I just want to thank you first. Letting people say what what they believe, I, I I think that's great. That's why I'm here, and I'm glad to glad to uh, really be part of a community conversation. I think that's vital to the entire area, and I I think we all gain by uh, allowing people to um, share their views. So, selfishly, I'm trying to. I'm close to retirement. I'm trying to walk two hours a day, and there's no better walking music to me than your show. So, thank you for that. You're helping people's health as well. Oh, thank you, thank you. You're very kind. I, I hope you have a, a great day. Hey, the, the reason the reason I called real quick was um, on the thing that happened at Wegmans yesterday. Um, I was a little shocked to see that one of your one of your callers, uh, Matt, was arrested. At least said. That's what they showed in the picture, and I think he had the right last name. But I, I you know, the, the way it was presented on the news was, and I think it were his words. I, I, I'd be anxious to have him call in. He said, you know, they, the, the, the police showed up. They said leave within 30 seconds. He said, this is what was said on the news. They used pepper spray and, and they took people down. And I, I wasn't there, but I was kind of curious why they picked the front of Wegmans. To do that. that that seemed kind of a ridiculous place for that protest what channel reported about um the former binghamton mayor what channel was that they, on? They, showed, they, they showed his picture no, i mean what they, channel they a, what channel i, I wasn't watching the news last night what was it, it was, action news either, it was, i believe it was on fox oh okay uh, the fox. fox 40 news at 10 yeah yeah all right you know they did that they did the generic story that described what you said what I just said, and then they actually had it said Matt Ryan on there. It looked a blonde haired gentleman arrested, and he said that we did nothing wrong, but uh, they hardly waited any time at all 
So I would like to just have him. You know, it's always two two views of the what happened. I wasn't there, but I am kind of curious. It looked like it was a pretty small group of like ten to twenty people. They also said that they closed the Wegmans after that event happened yesterday. Again, I didn't I didn't go to to watch. I'm just going by what I heard on the news. All right. Well, I'll see what else we can find out. Thank you for your call. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Bye. It's 9.45, Bob Joseph live on WNBF and WNBF.com. 607-772-1290 is the number. Or you can send an email to Bob at WNBF.com. Attention. Forty-nine. That's the time. Back to the phones we go. Gary on Binghamton's West Side. You're on the air. Hello, Bob. Hey, I want to present a question to uh, Jason Garner, but I have a couple of comments before that. First of all, uh, James did a great job. Uh, but you are the man, uh, no matter what other callers say. And if you don't really like Bob, I don't know how you can handle it, Bob, when some people call in and all they do is criticize you. To me, that's just the definition of insanity is expecting something different, right? Doing the same thing over and over. If you don't like what Bob has to say, then change the channel. Go watch Three's Company or something. That's my comment on that. As far as, like, why they chose Wegmans last night, I heard that uh, Wegmans in Rochester, when Black Lives Matter, they said they were behind it and that they support it and all of this. So the group that was uh, going up to Wegmans yesterday said, okay, so we're going to see whether they support us and they want us there. I believe that's why they chose that. But I may be wrong there. A question well, for, uh, and and to that point, if Danny Wegman wants to call in, or any member of the Wegman's team up there in the Rochester area, Pittsburgh, or wherever wherever the uh, Wegman's compound is, they hey they have a phone, they know our number. I did hear that the former mayor uh, was arrested. I also heard that Sarah Ames was pepper sprayed. And she's a reporter for the Press and Sun. So I think she has a video out where she gets pepper sprayed. I saw it. And what, yeah. I, what I saw was disturbing. Yeah, they tell her to get away. And before you can even get away, you're being sprayed. Eh, yeah, you know, come, I mean, I, I'm not a police administrator, but that video, if I was a police chief, the person who, who did that is, uh, how can I put it nicely? I can't put it nicely. He's in trouble. 
I thought that that was not right. But he's in trouble was, now. Now okay. you know, law enforcement officials, police chiefs, uh, sheriffs, etc., are free to come in. Not, no, they're not free to come in. Nobody is free to come in. But they're free to call in and explain to me why what the officer did to the reporter, why that was right. Yeah. There, there is yeah, no... Like in in my opinion, based, again, only based on the clip and what is written on PressConnects.com, in my personal opinion, there's no justification. Yeah, you would think that, like, before all of this happened, they sat everybody down and said, please don't overreact. This is a very, uh, could be a touchy situation, and we don't want to go overboard in our uh, protecting of Wegmans or whatever we're there to do. We don't want to abuse anyone. I mean, I'm pretty sure they must have had that conversation beforehand. And then still act that way. I don't know. I thought, I agree, Bob. I think it might have been just a little over the top there. Well. You know, he's uh, the officer, of course, who is clearly pictured in the reporter's video. I encourage him to call in and explain what he was thinking. But you know what? He yeah, won't. They can't do that. They can't. Well, I know that. he can't. But even if he could, he wouldn't because there's no justification. That's true. Too. Anybody, Thanks. any person who looks at that video. And again, if there's other circumstances, if the reporter was taunting or uh, threatening the police officer, I have no reason to believe that she would do that, but uh, hey, release the body cam footage. I want I want police body cam footage released by noon, and they can't say, well, it's under investigation. Everything's under investigation. Release it and and show the world exactly what happened before, during, and after. And then I want I want the person who was in charge there, of that scene to come on the program to explain why that was okay. Yeah, I know. I, before I go, I wanted to, uh, if you could ask Jason Garner if you have the time. If not, that's fine too. But if there's a natural disaster in this area, you know, whatever it is, natural disaster, is there a place where we all meet up? Do we go to a church, a fire department, the arena, or the college? Or where, where does everyone meet up in a natural disaster? Is there a specific place do you know about the answer is i'll plan to ask jason garner next hour okay that's a good question i'll and that that's news you can use so i'll plan to ask the county executive sometime next hour where we meet up in the event of a natural disaster leo in endwell you're on the air morning bob thank you for taking my call you're welcome Hello. yes thank you for calling yep um, I, I think it's what I was going to say has been overcome by events, but the uh, the news clip uh, showed on the CW channel, which is they they run the news at I think it's ten on CW and then rerun it on twelve at eleven o'clock, uh, and the Wegman's clip was in the version. Uh, I caught the tail end of it on CW, but it did not appear on the 11 o'clock broadcast as far as I could see, which, because I just caught the tail end of it, but it first appeared on the CW. And what did that clip show? Um, Well, like I say, I just caught the tail end of it, 
the police, there were, there was a group of demonstrators, and he couldn't tell how many there were, and the police were in the process of confronting them. Uh, I didn't see Matt Ryan, uh, but he may have been there. Um, oh, he was there. There's no doubt he, he was, was there. Oh, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sure we'll hear a report yeah. from him later this morning. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Well, I, I, do, I, I do have one comment in relation to that, that exchange. Um, I don't know about you, but usually when I wind up um, in an interchange with a police officer, it's in connection with a traffic stop of some sort, okay? And I don't know how you feel, but, but when I'm involved, it, it, um, it's a tense situation because you're not sure why you're pulled over. You, you, you know, you, you can almost envision the thought process you go through, okay? Um, the public at large is the only time that they deal with figures of authority is predominantly when they deal with the police. And yet they have very little, if any, experience in how to deal with the police, you know? The police are there to establish control of the situation, period. And if they perceive that somebody is working against that, they're going to do something to take control of the situation. Am I making sense? I heard what you said. But, and I'm not, I'm not justifying police actions, but um, I think when you're in a situation like that, the best thing you can do is not put more energy into the confrontation, whatever it is. Well, and that's why de-escalation is taught at the academy. So we'll see. We'll see. Because of that uh, clip, now it becomes a national story. So I don't think it would have gone national. Now it'll be a national or global story, and it didn't have to be. But that's what happens. You make one mistake, and you turn an otherwise relatively small story into a national or global story. I'm Bob Joseph. This is WNBF. For nearly a company that everybody knows about. The call is free. The information is free. You could save thousands. Call 800-200-7174. 800-200-7174. I'm Bob Joseph on a Thursday morning. This is WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, February 2nd. You're listening to WNBF. A Broome County resident faces up to five years in prison after he admitted making threats to harm Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Federal authorities said 51-year-old Joseph Francis Morelli of Endicott pled guilty Wednesday to leaving threatening messages to the voicemail of a Washington, D.C. office of a member of Congress. A large contingent of law enforcement officers, including the FBI, executed a pre-dawn raid on Morelli's Oak Hill Avenue apartment last March 17th. Armored vehicles had staged in a Watson Boulevard parking lot about an hour before heading to the building several blocks away. Morelli was taken into custody without incident. He had been accused of transmitting interstate threatening communications. According to an affidavit, Morelli left seven threatening messages at Taylor Greene's D.C. congressional office on March 3rd and March 4th of last year. In one, Morelli allegedly identified himself and provided his phone number. 
He then said, you've got a big effing mouth, and I'm going to show you what violence is really about. In a recording, the man who said he was Morelli stated he could pay someone 500 bucks to take a baseball bat and crack your skull. He added, you are going to get effing physically hurt. As part of his guilty plea, Morelli admitted placing a series of threatening phone calls to Taylor Green's office. He is scheduled to be sentenced on June 1st. In addition to a five-year prison term, he could be fined up to $250,000. In a press release on Tuesday, New York State Governor Kathy Hochul announced that the 16-charger electric vehicle fast charging site at the Hancock Town Hall in Delaware County is now open. Governor Hochul stated electrifying the transportation sector will enable us to advance our bold climate action goals. We are prioritizing our clean transportation future by installing the largest electric vehicle fast charging hub in the southern tier, helping boost the clean energy economy of tomorrow and driving New Yorkers to choose cleaner and greener modes of transportation. The charging site includes eight universal charging ports and eight supercharger ports by Tesla for its electric vehicles. The site gives electric vehicle drivers traveling across the southern tier on Interstate 86 and Route 17 a convenient location to recharge and get back on the road. The hopes, dreams, and wishes of the Binghamton area Chick-fil-A fans over a restaurant being built in the southern tier may finally be coming true. Rumblings of a Chick-fil-A restaurant opening somewhere in Broome County have been roaring for the last year or so. It all started when someone noticed that there were job openings posted on a job search website looking for people interested in working various capacities at a soon-to-be-open Chick-fil-A restaurant in Binghamton. When we heard about the job postings, we visited the online sites and confirmed there were jobs posted. In February of 22, we reached out to Chick-fil-A to inquire whether or not the job postings were legitimate. An automated response from Chick-fil-A would not confirm but did tell us that we could call and leave a message letting the company know where we thought a Chick-fil-A restaurant should be built. Not long after we reached out to the Chick-fil-A corporate office, the jobs posted on the online sites were removed and things got very quiet. In the summer of 2022, we heard rumblings again that a restaurant had been planned to be built in Vestal, but was met with red tape and squashed. Then in the fall of 2022, speculation began to pour in that a Chick-fil-A was in fact coming and that it would be built at the Oakdale Commons. But just as quickly as speculation built up, things suddenly got quiet again. Today, we can tell you that Chick-fil-A is likely coming into Broome County at some point. What's not clear is exactly where the restaurant will be built or if it will be multiple restaurants in Vestal, Johnson City, and Binghamton as representatives from Chick-fil-A have yet to return our calls. However, according to multiple news sources, Vestal Town Supervisor John Schaefer has confirmed that Chick-fil-A has assured him that they have plans to come to Broome County. Schaefer also noted that there's a chance that the restaurant chain may open not one but three locations in Broome County. Christopher Vandemark, age 57, formerly of Gansevoort, New York, now a resident of Endicott, New York, was sentenced yesterday to five years of probation following his guilty plea to a money laundering conspiracy designed to conceal proceeds from a multi-state unemployment insurance fraud scheme. At the time of his guilty plea, Vandermark admitted to corresponding via online messages for over a year with a co-conspirator who represented herself to be a woman living in North Carolina. The co-conspirator directed Vandermark to open accounts at multiple financial institutions, as well as provide her with routing details for his existing accounts. From June 2020 through early April 2021, Vandermark's accounts received transfers of more than $88,000 in fraudulently obtained unemployment insurance benefits from six states. Vandermark purchased hundreds of gift cards from local retailers using the benefits, photographed the identifying numbers on the cards, and sent the photographs to the co-conspirator. After Vandermark provided the identifying numbers, the co-conspirator could sell the gift cards online as part of an effort to conceal the original source of the funds. Vandermark admitted that he received and ignored multiple warnings from multiple financial institutions that his actions furthered an unemployment insurance fraud scheme. 
Additionally, when law enforcement agents interviewed Vandermark regarding approximately $37,000 in fraudulently obtained unemployment insurance benefits transferred to his account at a local bank, Vandermark falsely denied holding the account and receiving the funds. Following the law enforcement interview, Vandermark opened yet another financial account and received an additional $13,734 in benefits from three states, which he used to purchase more gift cards that he photographed and sent to his co-conspirator. Senior United States District Judge Gary L. Sharp also ordered Vandermark to pay restitution in the amount of $13,734 and to forfeit the same amount of money as proceeds of his crime. It's Groundhog Day, and people are waiting to learn whether a furry critter in western Pennsylvania town will predict an early spring or six more weeks of winter. People will gather today at Gobbler's Knob as members of Puxatawney Phil's inner circle summon him from his tree stump at dawn to learn if he has seen his shadow. According to folklore, if he sees his shadow, there will be six more weeks of winter. If he doesn't, spring comes early. The annual event in Puxatawney originated from a German legend about a furry rodent. Officials are hoping the usual crowd of between 10,000 to 15,000 visitors comes out for the event. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, sunny with a high near 34. Tonight's snow showers mainly after midnight, a low near 7 degrees, wind chill as low as negative 5, and wind gusts as high as 26 miles per hour, 80% chance of snow. Tomorrow, snow showers likely mainly before noon. Patchy blowing snow after 9 a.m., mostly cloudy and cold with a high near 9 degrees, wind chill as low as negative 15, and wind gusts as high as 32 miles per hour, 70% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, a slight chance of snow showers before 1 a.m., patchy blowing snow before 1 a.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 0 degrees, wind chill as low as negative 17, wind gusts as high as 29 miles per hour, 20% chance of snow. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 21. Saturday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 20. And Sunday, cloudy with a high near 42. Sunday night, cloudy, a low near 31 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. I'm Joseph Live on a Thursday morning at WNBF. And because it is the first Thursday of the month, we welcome to the program Broome County Executive Jason Garner, who indicates a willingness to answer a few questions. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Broome County. How you doing? Broome County, I'll I'll represent all Broome County residents by saying we as a county feel like a million bucks. That means anyway, good to have you with us. Are you prepared to answer a few questions? Just a few. Okay, which means what? Three? <laughs> More than one. <laughs> hey, uh, compared to most local officials who their their tolerance for questions on this program is still pegged at zero. So, you know, it's which I understand. I mean, yeah. speak speak from the heart now. I mean, on live radio, where none of the questions have been presented to you ahead of time, unlike on CNN, on live radio, it, it isn't necessarily uh, a bowl full of cherries every time you come on here to answer ostensibly a few questions, correct? I mean, it never is. See, <laughs> so as they say, is it is it any wonder? I'm helping you in your quest to get other people to come on the show right I now. Mean, you know what? I I finally, 
you know, after after spending a, a couple of weeks actually um, examining the way the program works, I came to the conclusion the show works just as well with or without the uh, participation of local officials. I, I think it's actually, I think it's kind of nice that after more than 11 years, I still offer the opportunity to all local officials. Some people would say, Bob, why even bother? The show works fine without their contributions. In fact, some have argued in the past that they actually like segments better if they only include callers. So, you know, I think... Well, I've always wondered, uh, do the ratings on the show skyrocket that first Thursday of the month? They always do. We get our best ratings always, oh. <laughs> always on, from ten to eleven. It's incredible. It's remarkable. Somehow I doubt that. It's Somehow remarkable, Mister <laughs> County Executive, Your Honor. Uh, but in all seriousness, I, I have said before, and I know uh, many local officials beg to differ. But I, I think as part of your job, whether it's in Binghamton or New York City, if you're. Um, in charge of a governmental entity that's taking time out on a regular basis to answer questions either directly from your constituents on radio, TV, or cable, or whatever, I think that's actually part of your job. It might not be written into the, the legal language of your job responsibilities, but I think, I think it should be a given. And now I know in New York City, I don't believe the current mayor, Eric Adams, takes that obligation very seriously, but his predecessors did. Bill de Blasio, even billionaire Michael Bloomberg, uh, and Rudy Giuliani, a lot of mayors of New York City, understood that part of their job entails regular regular accessibility on on radio or TV programs to, to answer questions about about the issues. And... I know from reading what different mayors or different uh, elected officials have said over the years, it's not because they enjoyed it, but they thought it was, was something important as, as part of their ability to communicate with their constituents. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's important. And I think, uh, you know, also from my perspective, um, if there's an issue that people have a concern with, i I guess I'd rather be involved in that conversation. And, um, you know, sometimes with a variety of issues, uh, you know, it's important to get all the, the facts out. So I, I feel that it's, it, it's a, it, I guess it's only a good thing that I have a, some voice in that and I can add, uh, you know, the perspective, uh, you know, our perspective to the, to the conversation. And, you know, so, sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes people call up with issues and I don't even know, that uh, you know that 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 was an issue, and that allows us to to explore the issue further and see if we can be of some assistance to people. Well, I would think in the end, it's it's a net positive. Nobody said it's perfect. I don't. In fact, it shouldn't be perfect, and it should be it should be a, a right. case where you know, oh, I and even Rich David used to say this. Well, Bob, sometimes I don't like the questions or the topics, but I. I would always take advantage of of the opportunity because it gives me a chance to speak directly with the people of Binghamton. Even though sometimes your choice of questions or the way you approach certain certain issues were, you know, wasn't always to his liking, but 
It also made for interesting radio. And and by the way, we've had a couple of occasions, you know, uh, over the years that have happened here where I think, to put it bluntly, you were, how can I put this, not amused. Yeah, I think that's all, you know, I guess that's the nature of the... The beast, though, right? Right, I mean, but you didn't. But you didn't take your county executive ball and then say, "Well, I'm going to stay in my office and bleep you." Well, maybe you said that, but you didn't. You didn't. You never said it. You might have thought, thought it. it. You thought it. Thought trust it. me. <laughs> you never yeah. said it. You wanted to, <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, yeah. you know, life goes on, and and in the end, I think I think it's a net positive for for the people of Broome County. Also for you, also for me. I think, dare I, allow me to employ, this makes me sound like Kathy Hochul, it's a win-win-win. Uh-oh. I know. It's a win-win-win for sure. Except for the bills. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Not go there. Go Eagles. Oh, man. (laughs) Now you did it. I was going to say, I may as well just go home. (laughs) Your ratings are declining. Uh, Yeah, well. All those radios are being turned off Really? You're saying, gee, Bob, everything was going so so well. And then then you went and did it. Anyway, let's talk now about county issues. First of all, have you figured out exactly when and where your state of the county presentation is going to uh, occur? Yes. So uh, it's going to happen February 22nd at the Enwell Fire Station. And I don't know the exact time. I think it may be, uh, I think we're going to put out a a press release and put that information on our website. But um, I think it's going to be like 5.30 or 6 o'clock. And tell me about the choice of the fire station on Country Club Road. Well, I mean... We've done, you know, state of the counties and budget addresses is, is uh, a little differently maybe than other county executives have. I, I try to go out and go to a place where we can highlight things that are that are happening. And um, we picked Endwall Fire because one of the things that has certainly been happening over the past couple of years is that, um, you know, People who, you know, volunteer firefighters, people in, you know, emergency services have been struggling a lot with, uh, you know, staffing issues and paying their bills and things like that. And, you know, you think about how important our volunteer emergency services are, you know, ambulance services and volunteer fire services um, and you know, oftentimes they're they're just doing it for free. They're they're not getting paid. So uh, you know, oftentimes, especially in smaller communities, they're the the heart of the community um, and uh, save people's lives. And so we wanted to highlight all the work that our first responders do, that the people that work in volunteer emergency services do, and and also highlight. Uh, I'll talk about this a little bit later if you want, but. Um, we are uh, working with the, the county legislature on passing a bill that will provide up to a 10% property tax exemption for volunteer firefighters and EMS personnel. That's going through the to the legislature for a vote this month, and um, my hope is I can actually, if everything works out well, I can actually sign it 
right then and there at the State of the County address. But certainly we'll be talking about all the other things that are going on in Broome County as well, and also talking about some challenges that the the county has been going through and that I expect that the county will go through. So it's not going to be all, you know, this is these are all the great things that are happening. These are some challenges that we're looking at, and, and these are things that I, you know, this is the way I, one of the things I planned, some of the things I plan to do to address these challenges. And I think that's important for any state of the county addresses. You know, not everything is, uh, not everything's roses. There's a lot of good things happening in Broome County, but there's also a lot of challenges that we're facing and, you know, addressing those. And is I think that was what the point is. I mean, I'm, I'm actually constitutionally obligated to provide some type of state of the state of the county address. So, um, and I, th- I think that's the reason why people came up with that in the first place is because uh, I think that's important for elected officials to to talk about the things that they see are going well and the things that they they see are challenges and, and how they plan to fix those. 1022 at WNBF, I'm Bob Joseph, speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. I perceive that there's an ambulance crisis in Broome County, that EMS services are being stretched to the limit. Sometimes uh, ambulances are being dispatched from the other side of the county to take care of people with uh, perhaps a cardiac issue or an overdose or somebody who's been seriously injured in a vehicle crash. What's the state of ambulances and emergency medical services right now in Broome County? Um, I, I would say it's a uh, it, it's a crisis. Uh, they're, as I was saying before, um, they're stretched thin. We were just up at uh, the Windsor, the the ambulance uh, service in Windsor, talking about our small community grants. And um, you know, one of the things that we've been able to do is provide grants to local EMS companies, something that we've really never done before. But anyway, I was up there, and they were talking about how, just to your point, you know, they have a service area that they cover. And out of their calls last year, a third of their calls were in response to outside of their service area, which really speaks to the issues that we're having with staffing and and all those types of things. Um, They are struggling to uh, pay their bills, to make ends meet. These companies are um, along with the the staffing. So, um, you know, we're, we're uh, we're actually doing the county is doing a whole uh, countywide study and reviewing all the challenges and, and kind of cataloging that and coming up with solutions for that. And this is something we've been working with with our state leaders in a very bipartisan way. Joe Angelino, Republican, Donald Lepardo, Democrat, um, have been working with us to figure out how we can work both locally and statewide. There's a lot of state things that the state can do. In fact, this property tax exemption that we're going to be giving to to volunteers. Um, it happens as a result of the state allowing us to do that, and then we opt into it. Um, you know, so we're, we're, we expect to have that plan done by the end of this year, and then um, coming up with some solutions to uh, keep these agencies financially solvent and to increase the, the staffing as well. Is there a time now in Broome County where it's it might be important to come up with a new model and instead of such uh, reliance on mainly volunteer services in so much of the county? Is there going to be, uh, you think, uh, more of a movement toward coming up with paid professional services to 
help respond when people need help? I'm not sure exactly what what's going to what the the solution is. I, I think one of the and you know we meet frequently. Our Office of Emergency Services meets frequently with our volunteer agencies, but that's one of the reasons why we're we're going to be doing this year long study is to figure out really what those best options are. But it's not something that the county can do and can order people to do. It's it's really something that we all have to collectively work on together um, because these services, you know, these variety of, uh, you know, ambulance agencies and volunteer fire departments, there's a, there's a number of them. They're, they're kind of funded in different ways based, you know, depending on where they are. And, um, you know, it's not something that I'm going to say, okay, everybody has to do this and this is the way it's going to be. It's going to be, okay, here are the things that we've identified as major problems. Here's potential solutions to those problems. Let's work together to figure out, you know, which ones we're going to pick so that people don't have to wait 45 minutes for an ambulance and that ambulance or, or fire agencies don't run out of people. Um, you know, we, we do uh, recruit New York event all the time uh, every year, and it seems like uh, especially fire agencies, uh, volunteer fire services are losing more and more people every year. So trying to figure out how we can retain people there, encourage more people to come into these services, um, it, it, it's, gonna, it's a challenge, but, you know, it's, it's one of the challenges that we have in the county and one that we're working really hard on. And I think it's one of the things, one of the reasons why we want to have our state of the county at Enwall Fire to kind of highlight the importance of these agencies to county residents, but also talk about, um, you know, the, the challenges that are, that are out there as, as we face them. It's 1027 at News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Interesting uh, question was posed by a, a listener uh, shortly before 10 o'clock. And I think I know your general response, but it was still, I, I think, a reasonable question for a Broome County resident to pose. In the event of a natural disaster, is there any kind of a meet-up place or meet-up scenario uh, that that exists uh, here in Broome County for for people, sure. it, uh, and I I hadn't thought about that before, but I'm sure uh, Gary from the West Side isn't the only one who might uh, have that type of concern. So, our Office of Emergency Services has a number of emergency plans, really for for any type of situation. So, you know, if you look back. In the last 10 or 15 years, um, we, we do have locations based on the type of emergency that we can have people go to. And certainly you remember and I remember the, the, you know, the historic flooding that we had in 2006 and 2011. The event center at Binghamton University was certainly a large-scale site that put a number of residents, um, that's probably the largest type of place that I can think of that we used as an evacuation center or a shelter. Um, but we've also done smaller uh, things as well, uh, you know, during a variety of different types of storms or uh, other types of emergencies. We work with the Red Cross to set up shelters in areas uh, that need it. So, um, for example, I, I think in Conklin or Kirkwood, we had some 
flooding a few years ago. We set up a Red Cross shelter there. I think even during the um, there was a, a natural gas accident in Shenango Bridge, we set up a Red Cross shelter there for residents that were not allowed in their homes until we were able to safely clean up the accident. So it's it's really one of those things where it really depends on the level of natural disaster you're talking about. But yeah, I mean, we, we have, if there are places that people need to go to take, to take shelter, we have places that we've identified that people can do so based on the, the, the scale of the natural disaster and the need that people have. We'll continue our conversation with the County executive in just a moment. Thursday morning. Bob Joseph, live on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Ten thirty-two. Bob Joseph live WNBF on a Thursday morning. We're speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. Governor Kathy Hochul has released her budget proposal for the fiscal year. It starts on April Fool's Day. Of course, it's been less than 24 hours since the budget plan was unveiled publicly. Uh, County Executive, what are some of your initial thoughts and and concerns pertaining to Broome County as uh, you begin to look over what Kathy Hochul is proposing? Well, I, I think it's important to for people to know that the state has a lot of control in regards to uh, what counties do. A lot of our services are mandated by the state, and I, you know, I talked to you and, and previous county executives have talked about the unfunded mandates that we get seemingly every year. So when we are particularly paying attention, along we, we belong to a advocacy organization called NYSAC. Um, where uh, it's, it's made up of uh, the 57 counties in New York State. And so when the budget, it's, it's time for the state budget to come out, and this is like a two-month-long process typically, um, we are really trying to ingest the budget now. It's a, huge, it's a massive document, and, and re- we can really only get a, a, a takeaway of it. But, um, but because it affects counties so much and what we do, we're, we're hyper-focused on it. So one of the things that we saw with this budget, and, and you know, my takeaway is I don't care if you're a Republican or Democratic governor, if there's things that I like, I'm going to talk about that. And if there's things that I don't like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that as well. And while there are some things that I do like about the budget, I, I do like that the budget is, uh, it, it's got some really helpful programs that would help us build housing here in, in Broome County, and there's certainly an increased emphasis in mental health, which I think we all can agree on, are really, really important. There's also some concerning language regarding Medicaid um, that that is uh, that that we're looking at in the budget. That um, w- without getting too much into the weeds, it could result in the county um, losing five million dollars a year. Basically, the state would. Um, direct uh, $5 million a year where it, a part of this money used to go to counties, they would direct it uh, to their own general fund. It comes from the federal government. Um, that is concerning for Broome County because anytime that 
I'm going to lose potentially $5 million a year, um, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, roughly a 7 to 8% automatic tax increase. And we've um, been able to cut taxes for the past five or six years. And, uh, you know, this would basically take away all that progress. And I don't think people at all can afford anything like that. Um, so it, it's very early in the process. I mean, there, there's things that come out in the budget that um, get negotiated and, and they're not there and they come back in and there's some things that, that uh, are there and then they come out. Um, we're, I've been working with uh, our de- Democrat and Republican county executives just in the past 24 hours uh, about how we can advocate for the state to take that out of the budget. And we've contacted our state uh, representatives and told them um, how concerned we are about this. So, you know, we're, we're still looking at it, um, but it, it's one of the things that is, uh, it's definitely on our radar, it, the number one thing on our radar right now, just because of um, losing $5 million in revenue um, would really impact services and taxpayers here in the county. And um, it would also happen during the middle of the year. So as you said, the budget is enacted April 1st. Our budget's already started. I mean, we've already you know, set our budget into motion. So we would have to, um, we, we would start this year uh, being down two and a half million dollars. And then next year we'd be down five. So it's a concerning thing. It's, it's something that uh, we're working to uh, get out of the budget. It's my hope that, um, you know, th- this, uh, this proposal will be out when it's finally ultimately passed in April. 1037 at WNBF and WNBF.com. We um, have talked about the difficulty of having a sufficient number of people to work in Broome County government in various capacities. And I know the county is still busy recruiting employees probably for almost every every county department. Where do things stand today? We, uh, I know a few weeks ago we're talking about a lot of uh, openings in the Social Services Department, openings, say, in the, the Sheriff's Department for um, filling positions at the jail. seems like there is no county department that is untouched by the situation right now. Where do things stand now? No, there isn't. And, um, you know, n- nothing changes in a month, so we're kind of in the same position that we were in last month. Um, we've made really large investments in our workforce. Um, we made hundreds of upgrades last year. Uh, our unions are getting better contracts that they got under the previous administration, but there's still a lot more work to be done. And um, we are seeing some signs that it's a little bit easier to hire people. We are, we are hiring you know, some more people over the fast, couple months, but we have a really, really, really long way to go. Um, but I know every department head is doing their best to come up with ways to recruit more employees. I, you talked about the sheriff. We've got a number of resolutions in this month that, you know, the sheriff has, uh, you know, has a lot of things that he's working on and uh, being very proactive in and one of the things that he wants to do is he wants to fill all his positions and I'm sure I think he's, as he's talked to you before um, he's got a number of positions especially in corrections that uh, a lot a lot of vacancies there and that he's looking to fill and so uh, you know he's been working uh, with unions and with his own staff and with our administration the legislature and 
trying to find some ways to, to fill those positions. Um, it's the same thing that, you know, our, our other uh, department heads are doing as well. One of the things that we're doing this year is we're looking at our, our, whole, uh, our whole pay grade um, for civil service and, and seeing if we can change something. That's a huge undertaking that we have, so have to do. So, uh, you know, we're working on it. Um, you know, we gave, a, we gave a bonus, I think, for the first time since the CRAM administration. We did an employee bonus late last year. I think that was helpful in retaining employees, but uh, a lot of work has to be done. And, you know, th- this is happening everywhere. I mean, there are, I think, I think I just saw since like in the last 10 years, the state has lost 14,000 employees in their workforce. Um, you can go around every business around here and they'll say that they've lost employees too. So it's not something that's really unique to Broome County, but, you know, at the end of the day, my job is to, to you know, fill all of our positions um, so that we can deliver the, the best services we can to the public. So it's, it's been a challenge and, um, you know, it was kind of challenging before COVID and COVID has just made it incredibly more challenging. So, uh, you know, a lot of work has been done, but a lot of work to be done. And on the county website, in the space that for a couple of years was dominated by the uh, the COVID all the COVID information. Now that's been replaced by a big thing that says we are hiring. Join our team, and you page through. Yeah. There are paid. There, there are several pages. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of positions of all types that are are open, including one that I note: nursing home administrator, one hundred thirty nine thousand dollars a year. Uh, has Willow Point lost its administrator? Willow Point hasn't lost its administrator, but our administrator has indicated that, um, you know, he's had to, uh, you know, his, his home is in Rochester, so he's, you know, he's had to travel quite a bit. His family lives there. So he's indicated uh, he, his preference is to uh, find another place to work, but he's not going to leave until we hire an administrator. He's committed to staying here until we we hire another one. So, yeah, I mean... A lot of good jobs. I mean, I'm looking at, uh, you know, deputy personnel officer. That's a great position that we, I think we've been hiring for the last year. And, and, you know, these positions come with great benefits. And I know especially a lot of younger people don't think about that. I don't think – I didn't think about that. But, you know, the, the uh, health care plans are great here. The pension plans are great here, um, much better than your typical uh, – you know, private sector 401k. So really great benefits. And we've upgraded a lot of positions. So the salaries are, are more competitive. Um, it's just, uh, it's just getting people to, uh, getting people to work is the, and, and apply for these positions has been the, has just been a very, very challenging thing that we're, we're doing. And it's probably, probably the, the most talked about and worked on initiative I would say going back two years with my staff is how do we fill our positions? That is, that is probably the number one challenging thing that, that that's going on right now in the county. It's just so important. It's, it's such a tough thing to do, too. When you appointed Adam Aronoff to be the will-appoint administrator a bit over a year ago, was it with, with the understanding that he, he probably would not be a long-term 
administrator, that he wouldn't uh, hold that post in Vestal for uh, a, a very long time, much longer than a year? I think so. I, you know, it's, it's one of those things we knew he had family, you know, his, his whole family is in Rochester. So, you know, the, you can only do that for, for uh, you know, for uh, a certain amount of time until you start to start to get burned out and you look at other options. But, you know, going back to that time when we appointed Adam, you know, thank God we did because he was the only qualified applicant that we had. And you can't operate a nursing home without a licensed administrator. So it was really a blessing that we were able to find him and get him into that position. And um, I'm glad he's been there. I mean, he's, uh, you know, we've done a lot of upgrades since he's been there. We have really um, fixed our billing situation there. And, uh, you know, our, our census, really it comes down to the census. How many residents can we serve? I think when, when he came in there, I think we were down to like, I want to say 170 residents, maybe less. And we're up, I, I think we were up to close to 220. So he's been able to, uh, you know, add another 30 or 40 residents to the the home, which has been really important for our community. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, one of the positions that one of the hundreds of positions that we have available and, you know, anybody that's out there, if you're interested in a job or, you know, somebody that's interested in a job, go to gobroomcounty.com and click that massive banner that you were talking about. Um, and you'll see uh, a lot of different jobs for a lot of different types of uh, people and backgrounds and education. I think there's probably something for everybody there. So I'd really encourage people to to apply. We'll get you working right away. That nursing home administrator slot is one of the highest paid positions in county government. I think that nursing home administrator is probably one of the top three highest paid positions. I, I think the uh, the uh, the district attorney is the number one position, and that, that's a salary that's actually set by the state. And then I think, uh, you know, um, right after that is the nursing home administrator and our DSS commissioner. $139,000. Is that enough to attract someone? To, to fill the position, yeah, it used to be, be twenty five thousand dollars less. That's one of the many upgrades that we did last year. Um, wh- whether it was management positions or you know um, just regular um, you know working on the line positions that we did. So yeah, I mean we're we're hopeful that these upgrades will uh, will result in you know more qualified applicants and ultimately more people putting these jobs. I mean we'll we'll see. I mean. One of the problems with having a, a low, we I, I talked about this last month. Um, we have an unemployment rate that is uh, the lowest. That's I can't find unemployment statistics before 1990. I know they have to be there somewhere, but on the state website, um, I can't find them before 1990. And we have the lowest unemployment rate on record since 1990. So that's great, right? Um, but it's not so great when you got hundreds of people or hundreds of positions that you need to um, fill. Um, very difficult to do when you have the lowest unemployment rate in the last 32, 33 years. So it's a challenge. We're working on it every day. We've been working on it for a long time, and a lot of you know a lot of work has been done, as I said, and a lot more work has to be done. Do you know if anybody has applied for the nursing home administrator position yet? We we have. I mean, that's one of the you know every position is important in Broome County, but of course. Um, you know, the, the nursing home administrator is a very, you know, I, I uh, 
you can't just uh, <laughs> you can't just work at that job without uh, being licensed. There are certain things you have to do to do that. So it's a it's a very it's got some very specific uh, um, job requirements to it set by state law. So um, yeah, we have gotten applications, not many. I'm talking about a handful of applications for the for the position, but I will say that um, that was more than we got a year ago. Uh, we were getting we had uh, the only qualified application I think that we had was the person that we gave the job to. Um, we were we were getting applications from from people who were working I think in in fast food places and nothing against them, but you know those aren't people that are qualified to run licensed nursing homes. So uh, I, I guess the good thing is as a result of this, you know, a year later after we made some upgrades, we we've gotten. You know, just sitting on my desk, there's three or four applications from qual. You know, people who actually have a, um, you know, a, a licensed, uh, administ- you know, that are licensed administrators. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to hire somebody in the next uh, in the in the coming few months. And, um, but uh, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot more positions that are available out there. I really encourage anybody to apply for them or tell people that these positions are available in the county. How are things going with the arrangement with the uh, Bronx outfit called Centers for Care with respect to the Willow Point Nursing Home? Is that going well, or are there problems? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going well in terms of, uh, you know, one of the first things that we wanted them to do was to work out our billing situation. And, you know, anytime you mix a private entity with with government, there's uh there's some uh things that you have to get used to. Uh they they do billing differently than than government does. They do it much more efficiently. So um it, t- it took a little while to get everything integrated, but um everything is running pretty well there. And um they've actually been collecting on you know we have we have people that have had to pay that haven't paid in you know a long time and and so they're they're while they're collecting um you know, more money every month that that's currently owed to us on a month-to-month basis. They're also looking back at the money that you know we weren't able to collect, and they're recouping money there as well. And you know, like I said before, the bottom line is the nursing home is open. Um, it was very tenuous a year ago um, with the major staffing issues that we have, losing our administrator. Um, very, very tenuous and. You know, we've been able to improve the population there, our our resident census, by 30 or 40 people and brought some stability to the nursing home as well. It's always, nursing homes are always going to be an issue, right? I mean, that's why most nursing homes are not run by governments. They're run by health care agencies. But, um, I, you know, it's 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 brought a measure of stability because you know I mean gosh a year ago we have the National Guard in there and um, we don't anymore and uh, things are much more stable a lot of work to be done there um, you know be, you're talking about issues whether it's uh, staffing issues across the county or the nursing home these are kind of like the two big topics of you know where we put a lot of our effort into just because they're very, very challenging. But um, yeah, we're, we're glad where we are with that. And um, we're hopeful to get a new administrator in there pretty soon. 1050 at WNBF. More with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. Coming up in a moment, I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. Welcome. 
1053 WNBF this month, the legislature is expected to act on a, a measure that uh, will help support the um, Velo Airline Initiative operating out of the Greater Binghamton Airport. It's a $1.5 million aviation flight support program. Uh, County Executive Gardner, how is this arrangement working with Avello and its service from Binghamton to Florida? So Avello is working great. I mean, Avello is really happy with uh, with our load factor on those planes. I don't have the figures right in front of me, but they're very, very happy with that. And I've talked to a number of residents who are absolutely ecstatic that we were able to get the service, the first new service at the airport in 20 years. So, um, you know, we're hopeful that, uh, if you remember, we had announced two locations, Fort Myers as well. And then, of course, there was a massive hurricane that destroyed large parts of Fort Myers. So we had to postpone that. My hope is that we can get Fort Myers back uh, next year. Uh, Typically, these low-cost airlines, uh, they like to start their service in November, December. So, you know, this is that we, you know, sometime in the, in the fall. So um, that's what I would expect that, you know, when, um, when that time arrives again, hopefully we will be able to, to get that service back. And if not Fort Worth, another um, location that people are talking about, Um, but people are really happy with a service to Orlando. I mean, gosh, I think it was like New Year's Eve of all of us selling tickets for $19 um, you know, one way to Orlando, nineteen dollars back, and I'm like, what a, what an amazing offer that is. I don't, I don't think I can get from here to Vestal in a taxi for nineteen dollars, but I, can, I don't you know, think I can, so. get, I can, I can take a flight and get to Orlando. So it's a really great deal, and uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are happy with it, and we're, we're hopeful next year, you know, as this ne- as the next, uh, you know, season opens up for a low cost. Uh, flights that we can add this other location as well as the Orlando location. And tell me about this measure that the legislature, I believe, will act on later this month. It's a $1.5 million support program that would run through November of next year. Is is that, yep. uh, in your view, is that a good deal for the county? Yeah, it is. So m- most of that is money that we're, we're not even contractually obligated to spend, but it's it's pretty much what every airline requires from an airport. These are revenue guarantees that, you know, there's certain targets that they need to meet, and if they don't, we provide that revenue guarantee to, to keep them in service. And typically these things happen for a year or two uh, for the service to get, you know, get people acclimated with a service, to get things up and running, um, to provide, provide some stability the first year or two of service, because that's typically when, when it's, kind of most challenging is those first year, you know, that first year or two. And like I said, uh, these are the things that you need to do to get more service. If if we didn't give any rev- revenue guarantees, we'd never get any new service. So, um, you know, I, I give a, a lot of, a lot of kudos to our airport commissioner, Mark Hefner, who's really aggressive in, uh, in getting, uh, you know, getting this new service and, and working to find ways to bring, the service in. So the upshot of it is, is we had budget. This, this was in our budget. And um, we, uh, we, if, if they are doing well financially, we don't even have to use it. It's just in case uh, they start to lose money on the service. 
um, that they would be able to tap into that to most of of that money. And, and part of the other part of the money is uh, the other part of the money is uh, marketing our airport. And I think everybody in Broome County knows the new service that we have, but we're really aggressively going into other counties and telling people about our service because we're, you know, we're competing against Elmira, we're competing against Syracuse, we're competing against Scran. So, uh, you know, we think that uh, all things being equal, uh, you know, somebody in Tioga County, Shenango County, Delaware County, they want to fly to Florida, they should be going to Binghamton. Um, it's the easiest, cheapest way to go. We got to get the word out about that. So part of, part of that money is, is marketing that and getting making sure that we have a, a lot of uh, customers coming in because the the upshot of it is we'll keep the service if we can you know get those planes filled up right now we're doing that we want to continue doing that uh, for the foreseeable future Broome County Executive Jason Garner thank you as always and we'll look forward to your uh, next appearance on the program when you'll be able to answer a few more questions sounds good Bob thank you and have a great day. 1058, you're listening to News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. First, WNBF, Binghamton. Crashes on icy roads in Texas, branches snapping and trees crashing. Power lines taken down, leaving more than 390,000 customers without power across the state. Hundreds of flights have been canceled as well. The Federal Reserve is upping its key interest rate by a quarter percent, looking to ease historic inflation by making borrowing costs and credit more expensive. Meanwhile, the latest snapshot of the economy suggests that fewer Americans are out of work. Initial filings for unemployment benefits dropped by 3,000 last week. Today, House Republicans could vote to oust Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee for old comments she's already apologized for that many deemed anti-Semitic. And on this Groundhog Day, Punxsutawney Phil in Pennsylvania gave his winter-spring prediction. He saw his shadow, which, if you believe the folklore, means six more weeks of winter. This is ABC News. Never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers... For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Remember the last time your family visited the forest? It's a place of wonder and imagination for the whole family, where stories come to life. And it's closer than you think. Ready to plan your next visit? Make the forest part of your story today at a local park near you. Or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Washington lawmakers set to take a look at how millions of dollars were stolen during the height of the pandemic. A House committee yesterday kicked off hearings on the billions in taxpayer money scammed from the programs that were supposed to keep businesses afloat during the pandemic. The figures? Astounding. A watchdog says the government was handing out up to $50 billion per day, but lacked the necessary vetting process and fraud protections. Nearly 70,000 Social Security numbers used to apply for funding did not match applicants' names or birthdays. 
rates. Despite the fraud, supporters of the programs point out millions of PPP loans legitimately helped people. ABC's Andrea Fuji, Aerosmith frontman Steven Tyler, now facing a lawsuit claiming he sexually abused a teenage girl in the 1970s. The woman, now 65, and a warning for older people who take sleeping pills. They could contribute to dementia. A new study says people who routinely take them were at a nearly 80% higher risk of developing Alzheimer's. Ike Jachi, ABC News. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Thursday, February 2nd. You're listening to WNBF. A Broome County resident faces up to five years in prison after he admitted making threats to harm Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Federal authorities said 51-year-old Joseph Francis Morelli of Endicott pled guilty Wednesday to leaving threatening messages to the voicemail of a Washington, D.C. office of a member of Congress. A large contingent of law enforcement officers, including the FBI, executed a pre-dawn raid on Morelli's Oak Hill Avenue apartment last March 17th. Armored vehicles had staged in a Watson Boulevard parking lot about an hour before heading to the building several blocks away. Morelli was taken into custody without incident. He had been accused of transmitting interstate threatening communications. According to an affidavit, Morelli left seven threatening messages at Taylor Greene's D.C. congressional office on March 3rd and March 4th of last year. In one, Morelli allegedly identified himself and provided his phone number. He then said, you've got a big effing mouth and I'm going to show you what violence is really about. In a recording, the man who said he was Morelli stated he could pay someone 500 bucks to take a baseball bat and crack your skull. He added, you are going to get effing physically hurt. As part of his guilty plea, Morelli admitted placing a series of threatening phone calls to Taylor Greene's office. He is scheduled to be sentenced on June 1st. In addition to a five-year prison term, he could be fined up to $250,000. In a press release on Tuesday, New York State Governor Kathy Hochul announced that the 16-charger electric vehicle fast charging site at the Hancock Town Hall in Delaware County is now open. Governor Hochul stated electrifying the transportation sector will enable us to advance our bold climate action goals. We are prioritizing our clean transportation future by installing the largest electric vehicle fast charging hub in the southern tier, helping boost the clean energy economy of tomorrow and driving New Yorkers to choose cleaner and greener modes of transportation. The charging site includes eight universal charging ports and eight supercharger ports by Tesla for its electric vehicles. The site gives electric vehicle drivers traveling across the southern tier on Interstate 86 and Route 17 a convenient location to recharge and get back on the road. The hopes, dreams, and wishes of the Binghamton area Chick-fil-A fans over a restaurant being built in the southern tier may finally be coming true. Rumblings of a Chick-fil-A restaurant opening somewhere in Broome County have been roaring for the last year or so. It all started when someone noticed that there were job openings posted on a job search website looking for people interested in working various capacities at a soon-to-be-open Chick-fil-A restaurant in Binghamton. When we heard about the job postings, we visited the online sites and confirmed there were jobs posted. In February of 22, we reached out to Chick-fil-A to inquire whether or not the job postings were legitimate. An automated response from Chick-fil-A would not confirm, but did tell us that we could call and leave a message letting the company know where we thought a Chick-fil-A restaurant should be built. Not long after we reached out to the Chick-fil-A corporate office, the jobs posted on the online sites were removed and things got very quiet. In the summer of 2022, we heard rumblings again that a restaurant had been planned to be built in Vestal, but was met with red tape and squashed. Then in the fall of 2022, speculation began to pour in that a Chick-fil-A was in fact coming and that it would be built at the Oakdale Commons. But just as quickly as speculation built up, things suddenly got quiet again. Today, we can tell you that Chick-fil-A is likely coming into Broome County at some point. What's not clear is exactly where the restaurant will be built 
or if it will be multiple restaurants in Vestal, Johnson City, and Binghamton, as representatives from Chick-fil-A have yet to return our calls. However, according to multiple news sources, Vestal Town Supervisor John Schaefer has confirmed that Chick-fil-A has assured him that they have plans to come to Broome County. Schaefer also noted that there's a chance that the restaurant chain may open not one but three locations in Broome County. Christopher Vandemark, age 57, formerly of Gansevoort, New York, now a resident of Endicott, New York, was sentenced yesterday to five years of probation following his guilty plea to a money laundering conspiracy designed to conceal proceeds from a multi-state unemployment insurance fraud scheme. At the time of his guilty plea, Vandermark admitted to corresponding via online messages for over a year with a co-conspirator who represented herself to be a woman living in North Carolina. The co-conspirator directed Vandermark to open accounts at multiple financial institutions, as well as provide her with routing details for his existing accounts. From June 2020 through early April 2021, Vandermark's accounts received transfers of more than $88,000 in fraudulently obtained unemployment insurance benefits from six states. Vandermark purchased hundreds of gift cards from local retailers using the benefits, photographed the identifying numbers on the cards, and sent the photographs to the co-conspirator. After Vandermark provided the identifying numbers, the co-conspirator could sell the gift cards online as part of an effort to conceal the original source of the funds. Vandermark admitted that he received and ignored multiple warnings from multiple financial institutions that his actions furthered an unemployment insurance fraud scheme. Additionally, when law enforcement agents interviewed Vandermark regarding approximately $37,000 in fraudulently obtained unemployment insurance benefits transferred to his account at a local bank, Vandermark falsely denied holding the account and receiving the funds. Following the law enforcement interview, Vandermark opened yet another financial account and received an additional $13,734 in benefits from three states, which he used to purchase more gift cards that he photographed and sent to his co-conspirator. Senior United States District Judge Gary L. Sharp also ordered Vandermark to pay restitution in the amount of $13,734 and to forfeit the same amount of money as proceeds of his crime. It's Groundhog Day and people are waiting to learn whether a furry critter in western Pennsylvania town will predict an early spring or six more weeks of winter. People will gather today at Gobbler's Knob as members of Puxatawney Phil's inner circle summon him from his tree stump at dawn to learn if he has seen his shadow. According to folklore, if he sees his shadow, there will be six more weeks of winter. If he doesn't, spring comes early. The annual event in Puxatawney originated from a German legend about a furry rodent. Officials are hoping the usual crowd of between 10,000 to 15,000 visitors comes out for the event. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, sunny with a high near 34. Tonight's snow showers mainly after midnight, a low near 7 degrees, wind chill as low as negative 5, and wind gusts as high as 26 miles per hour, 80% chance of snow. Tomorrow, snow showers likely mainly before noon. Patchy blowing snow after 9 a.m., mostly cloudy and cold with a high near 9 degrees. Wind chill as low as negative 15 and wind gusts as high as 32 miles per hour, 70% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, a slight chance of snow showers before 1 a.m. Patchy blowing snow before 1 a.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 0 degrees. Wind chill as low as negative 17. Wind gusts as high as 29 miles per hour, 20% chance of snow. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 21. Saturday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 20. And Sunday, cloudy with a high near 42. Sunday night, cloudy, a low near 31 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. WMBF. 
Thursday morning live, taking calls at 607-772-1290. Yes, if you've never had the opportunity to speak on WNBF, now is the time. Call in and chat with me on this Thursday morning. When the lights go down in the California town, people are in for the evening. I jump into my car and I throw in my guitar. My heart beat time of the breathing. Driving over kids, singing to my soul. There's people out there finding music in the gold. Alrighty, let's uh, take calls. Let's take lots and lots and lots of calls. We begin with Ron in Binghamton. You're on the air. Hi, Bob. Say, I, I'm not going to take up much time this morning. I'm going to get to the point. And um, I just I just want to get this off my chest and then um, say my piece and then get off. Your viewers may want to respond. But, you know, Bob, there are places in the community that should never be defiled. Places, you know, of reverence, they attract people of all genders, age, race, ethnicity, where people can gather in peace and safety. You know what I mean? You know, the epitome of such a place in the Triple Cities is, of course, Wegmans. You know, Bob, there are places in our wonderful country where people hope and pray that a Wegmans can be located. I have friends and relatives in Florida who yearn for their own Wegmans. Wegmans is where we go for our daily bread for our $1.75 each freshly baked corn muffins. It's where senior citizens get their high blood pressure and diabetic pills, where one can even find Vegemite in the foreign food section. Bob, what were those people thinking to stage a protest at this community shrine? And what was a respected former mayor doing participating in such a rude and disrespectful show? Bob, I fear that the barbarians are at the gate and that after this awful display, Chick-fil-A may reconsider locating here. That's all I have to say. All right. Gosh, that would be a shame. 1114 WNBF, WNBF.com. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Tom from Binghamton. Hi, Tom. Morning. How are you? I am well. I'm glad to see you back. Hey, listen, this is kind of a little maybe off topic and stuff. It's kind of a programming thing. I was really disappointed to uh, see that the John Batchelor show, uh, you know, uh, Late Evenings, has been removed. I have nothing against Hannity. I listened to Hannity, but Hannity at that time of night is a little hard to take, and uh, especially after you hear him during the day. And uh, Bachelor brings, you know, kind of a worldwide perspective on the topics that aren't normally covered. I don't know. I just um, I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, but I thought the John Bachelor program from nine to one really brought. Uh, a whole different slant to the talk radio thing for the area. So just my two cents on that. Well, I I always like the West, uh, the best of uh, Bachelor, but on the other hand, sometimes changes are made. Even uh, Captain Kangaroo is no longer on anymore. So mm, no comparison. So. <laughs> no, I know, but but I appreciate your calling with uh, with your opinion. We'll see what the other listeners think. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Tom. 
Uh, it's 11.15. Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF. We'll have more calls coming up on this Thursday morning. Listening to News Radio WNBF. WNBF.com. You're in. That's recording. And here we go with a preview of something coming up very soon at No Theater in downtown Binghamton. Black Comedy by Peter Schaefer. It all starts February 10th. Joining us now with a preview is Tim Gleason from No Theater. Morning, Tim. Morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. How's your year going so far? It's flying right by for me. Uh, it is kind of quick, sir. I found that since my chronology changed, that uh, somebody seems to have sped up the dial. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seemed, it seemed like just a month ago I was celebrating a new year with, uh, um, who's that kid over at Times Square? You know, Ryan Seacrest, <laughs> him. In, there you go. In his that's merry that's merry band of fun-loving fools in Times Square. I, I love it every I, year. And every year I yeah. say, I can't wait till next year to see what other young up-and-coming musicians will uh, entertain me. That's, that's how I stay young. I see what the, what, what the kids are listening to, and I look around. Usually I surround myself in a room with, with uh, a whole bunch of other people, and we, we take turns saying, wait, who are they? Who are they? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, every once in a while, ABC will will throw in like one group that people from my era will remember. It's like, oh, who would have guessed that Bob Dillman would have been on the New Year's Eve show? Huh? That's <laughs> nice of him, but for some reason, he's he's singing coherently, so that's not the real yeah. Bob Dillman. No, exactly. No, he's uh, he's enunciating. <laughs> I did it once. I, when I lived in Manhattan, I went and stood in that craziness, and uh, once was enough. Once was enough. I, I've uh, often said, uh, because it comes up usually about once a year, would I ever, under any circumstances, show up at Times Square for New Year's Eve? And I always say the only circumstance that I can imagine is, say, if, if Ryan Seacrest can't do it one year, they get really, really, really desperate for a substitute host. I would agree to do it, but only because I yeah. know Ryan Seacrest doesn't have to uh, brave the the crowd. He gets he gets ushered right in and then ushered right yeah. out. That's the only circumstance that I I could envision actually going oh, yeah. to Times Square for New Year's Eve. It's it's crazy, elbow to elbow, uh, yeah, pressed in. And then uh, shortly after that ball drops, it uh, it turns into a ghost town. But uh, for those few minutes, hopefully you've used all the facilities you needed to use. Uh, because if you're in the middle of that crowd, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> That's uh, true. <laughs> and, and these days, now more than ever, because of security, they... they um put you in a little pen so everybody yes. is in a little pen so if you're between one in blo one block that's your pen and hope hope you enjoy the people you're stuck with because you're going to get to know them very well over the course of several well. hours 
Amen, sir. Yep. Amen. Sir. Anyway, let's talk about Black Comedy by Peter Schaefer. It all starts uh, February 10th at No Theater in downtown Binghamton. What can people look forward to? Yes, sir. Well, uh, this production will be the fourth time in our 30-year history that No has done this show. Um, and I might have some uh, responsibility in that. I I find it to be one of the funniest shows uh, that was ever written. And Mr. Schaefer himself, not a bad writer, so he mixes his great writing ability with uh, some situational slapstick comedy. Um, and when you put the two together, it, 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 it's just a marvelous trip for the uh, eight actors who are up there on the stage. Um, it's all set around uh, a simple night where a starving artist has caught the eye of a billionaire art collector, and he's going to come by to look at his art. And uh, his new fiance invites her daddy, so he's got to keep uh, on his best behavior to try and impress dad so he'll let them get married. But what happens is that uh, as the evening approaches, there's a power blackout. So the whole play primarily takes place, quote-unquote, in the dark. So when you see the actors on the stage in full light, they are uh, performing as if they are in complete darkness. Uh, And there's multiple twists and turns. Uh, Not only is the new fiancé in the room, his old fiancé sneaks by. Um, He has taken his... uh, rich antique collector neighbor's furniture and put it in his apartment because the neighbor was away. Uh, But due to the storm, he comes home. So during the course of the play, he has to lift and carry every piece of furniture out of the room and bring in his crappy furniture uh, and put it back in its place. So we've got lots of uh, balls in the air, Uh, not to mention the upstairs teetotaling neighbor who accidentally gets her drinks mixed up and she gets hammered. And uh, she's wandering around in the midst of this uh, activity as well. It just does not stop from one minute to the other. It's uh, it's really, really, really funny. And uh, the main character, which I played when I was a young man, talking about going back in time, 1994, if I tried the part now, I'd, uh, it would kill me. Um, there, uh, a young man named Ryan Canavan will be carrying and lifting almost every piece of furniture no theater owns. Uh, and we weighed him when we started rehearsals. We're going to weigh him when it's over. And if he hasn't lost 20 pounds, I'll be surprised. <laughs> and there will be nine performances. The The first will be a week from tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Yes, and then sir. there also will be um, Saturday night performances and also Sunday afternoon performances this month. Yes. Our Fridays and Saturdays are at 8 o'clock. Our Sundays are at 3. And we do throw in a 10th show which this uh, particular performance will be on uh, February 23rd, and it's our pay-what-you-can night. Every show, we give away one show. If you have a dollar, throw it in. If you have nothing, don't worry about it. And uh, we're still waiting for the guy who has $1,000 to throw in the bucket. But we, uh, a theater friend of mine from Harrisburg put it on my radar years ago, and we do it every show that we theater shouldn't be exclusive to people who don't have the funds to come and see it. So I've uh, always enjoyed that aspect of no theater, that you have a pay 
what you can performance. And who's to say, and I'm not predicting this, but who's to say that Elon Musk driving around in his 2026 uh, Tesla prototype says, you know what? I think I'll park here in a no-parking zone in downtown Binghamton and chance a ticket. I'm going to go in on pay-what-you-can night, and he pays with, uh, like, 50 $1,000 bills. Would I not love that, sir? Would I not love that? <laughs> if, if and when it happens, please contact me, because I would love to report that story. I will. The I will night. call you in the meeting tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, yeah. even if, if you have to call me at 2.22 a.m., just report, hey. you know, Elon Musk in Binghamton, and who would have guessed? Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't show up, we still get, the, hopefully, the good karma from the theater gods for... Uh, trying to bring as many people through the door yeah. as we can that maybe have to put that money towards something more important. Now, for uh, people not familiar with the precise location, I think most of our listeners know where no theater yes, is. Uh, it's the old Central Fire Station, if you're a Binghamptonian. It's at 74 Carroll Street. Uh, I think they moved out of here in 1973, and uh, they're about to move again. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, we've taken over half of the old Central Fire Station uh, and turned it into a black box theater. It's very intimate, very off-off Broadway, 63 seats only. Uh, the back row to the front of the stage is only 21 feet. So you are in the show when you're sitting in there. It's uh, You're very up close. We hear your sighs and laughs, and you'll hear everything uh, that happens on stage. So. It makes it very communal, which is the kind of theater that caught my eye in New York. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. That half, a, half a century ago, the city was in a position of trying to find buyers for two empty fire stations, the Central Fire Station on Carroll Street, also the uh, number 5 station there at 33 South Wash. And well, yes, we sir. see they, they both found... Uh, Good, interesting uses. In fact, uh, number five station now has uh, a completely new chapter with new businesses after hosting a restaurant for more than four decades. So it's nice to see some of these uh, historical fire stations that are still an important part of our Binghamton community. A beautiful, beautiful building. Um, And uh, it is student housing now. Uh, I said that half smiling, half frowning, but... uh, uh, the students have been wonderful. We've had some bad years, which I could expand upon uh, at length. But right now, I've got a great group of students. They come down, they see the shows. Uh, and uh, when I first looked at this building back in the day, the hole was still on the floor. You could look all the way up from the ground floor to the third floor. Uh, we don't have the fire pole anymore, unfortunately. Uh, probably make some money letting people slide down that, but it's gone. <laughs> uh and uh, it's the kind of theater that grabbed me in New York, Bob. It's uh, you're right in it. You know, there's no there's no hiding uh, for either the actors or the audience, and that's that's the kind of stuff we love. And you know, we usually are heavier than this. I'm sure you recall our conversations where I'm usually uh, doing something very heavy uh, here at No, trying to shake the tree. But uh, this play has touched my heart, and it's our 30th year. So I said, let's bring back this classic. Uh, this young actor, Ryan Canavan, uh, was in a show last season. I saw him, and I said, there's Brinsley Miller. That's my lead character. I can build around him and do black comedy once again. 
And it all uh, starts February 10th, a week from tomorrow night. And there will be performances Friday and Saturday evenings, Sunday afternoons, and complete details, including um, how you can obtain tickets at notheater.org. That's theater, R-E, notheater.org. All the information you need about the upcoming presentation of black comedy. And Tim Gleason, I wish you... And everybody associated with No Theater, the very best. Thank you, Bob. I know that comes from your heart, and uh, I thank you for that. And we'll keep uh, we'll keep rolling as long as there's water on us. <laughs> thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Bob. You too. Eleven twenty-eight. This is WNBF ninety-two-one FM, twelve ninety AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Oh. WNBF, Binghamton, New York. With your newspaper writers and your big crime fighters. Back to the phones we go, John in Binghamton. Garland Jeffries could have and should have done better. That was uh, that was no James Jamerson. Jameson, uh, you know, I'd like to congratulate Ron for stating the obvious, uh, and I'd like to congratulate law enforcement, Johnson City Police, New York State Police, uh, for yesterday's uh, quick, quick. Uh, response. They did the right thing. Wegmans did the right thing. Uh, like so many cancers uh, that start in Binghamton, you can see that this is moving to uh, a more expensive ground. And the fact that these people, and it's really one or two people, uh, one guy particularly that works for the state of New York, uh, he is a professional agitator. Uh, and what he does is he gets gullible people to go along with him, and then he gets them in trouble, and then he's nowhere to be found. He, he uh, There was a staged incident uh, a la Tawana Brawley in Albany that he was part of, uh, and then the uh, trial came, and uh, the, uh, the people admitted that it was a scam, but he was nowhere to be found. So uh, this guy is a borderline, in my opinion, racketeer. He's assaulted me. Uh, 
Covington has done little to stop these people. Uh, the district attorney has done little to stop these people. They camped out on his uh, front lawn of the George Harvey Justice Building, his office. Uh, they've set up things uh, without permits. Uh, and, and again, I, I don't care how Matt Ryan wants to finesse this. These aren't Gandhi-type protests, you know. Uh, so these people are cancer. Uh, there's not many of them. Uh, and they can uh, be immediately eliminated. And by eliminated, what I mean is uh, that certain restraining orders, certain conditions can be attached to them, and, and that's the end of them. But what the city of Binghamton needs to do is act just as fast, because these people have shut down intersections. They've shut, they've trespassed uh, all over the place. They've done all kinds of crazy stunts, including uh, renaming Columbus Park. And it's about time that the city of Binghamton stand up to these people. Well, when Mayor Cram is on, I'll uh, ask him what his plan is. And and same when uh, the police chief, Zakuski, when he's on, I'll ask him what his approach will be this year. Well, I found out an interesting thing. I had two Freedom of Information requests returned yesterday. One is that Joe Zikuski has no contract with the Binghamton Police Department. That's That was an interesting thing. Or, uh, And the other interesting thing was, remember 2015 when there was supposedly an investigation by a, a local law firm into his activities? Well, uh, there's no bill for any such investigation. So either it wasn't conducted or the law firm did it for free. So, uh, you know, uh, what you don't know in this town is really, really terrible. And I think one last comment, you know, the county government, first of all, there's no shortage of workers. You just have the supervisors just, just, you know, when when, uh, frontline workers are, uh, I think you have highly paid patronage uh, uh, workers. the executive said they can go to work, roll up their sleeves. There's, there's no problem in filling these positions. But uh, I would, I would say this: I would be wary of all these tax exemptions. For example, the city of Binghamton has its own ambulance service. Uh, so somebody that works out of the boondocks uh, gets a ten percent, and it, it would really, uh, essentially, what would happen is someone with a huge house. <laughs> you know, uh, could get a huge tax base, uh, tax deduction, uh, you know, not, not to put any, any restrictions on it, you know. And I don't think, I don't think what ails Broome County is, is more Byzantine uh, tax deductions. I think you reduce the overall rate of taxation. And these outfits are money-making. They, they get, you know, see, uh, they get uh, grants. Uh, they get Medicaid payments. They get all kinds of revenue, uh, and it's it's either either the county. Uh, I mean, the people that are getting hurt in all this are people that have that 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 have their own ambulances, taxpayers. They pay their own police departments, and uh, you uh, most of what the county provides actually is a duplication of services. Uh, and people are getting charged twice for the same services, or uh, they're not getting them at all, and the 
end well in the town of Shenango and all these uh, places are, are getting a free ride. So Maybe Binghamton will go back to the days when the police department will run the ambulance. Remember when they had the police ambulance? Well, Endicott did that, too. They, the ambulance service was provided by the cops. Yeah, I remember that well, and it was a city of 70,000 people. The city owned a, uh, a, a hospital. They had real assets. They controlled the school district. And what happened? Well, the city got hollowed out after urban renewal, and uh, now it's a student dormitory. But I predict, and I predicted, I just want to go on record one more time, because this new uh, uh, student housing project across from uh, SUNY there in the hotel, I just want to tell you one thing. These student rooming houses are going to house refugees, illegal migrants, uh, whatever you want to call them, that's going to happen very, very soon. All right. And we will stay tuned to see what does transpire in the coming weeks. 1140 WNBF Live with Bob Joseph. Still time for you to call 607-772-1290. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Hey there. Yeah, I got that letter. That's oh, the well. Department of Transportation. Yeah. So tell me, uh, first of all. My name is Andrew D. Stiles. S-T-I-L-E-S. Uh, he's a, so that's from the New York State Department of Transportation, that department? Well, let's see. I believe so. But you have to call, yeah. Well, that John Emmons, uh, he's only a job manager. That's all he is. But uh, but the one that sent me the letter was Andrew a- Andrew D. Stiles. He's a regional planning and program manager. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Well, since it's DO- New York State Department of Transportation would like to n- notify an upcoming project. Uh, in your community, the project identification number will address will address the walk bridge in the town of Dickinson. What's the number? What's the project identification number? Uh, let me see. Nine five. Yeah, nine five. Zero one. Mm-hmm. Two three. Mm-hmm. Then it says, uh, well, address bridge identification number is a bin number, whatever that means. Okay. Uh, that's 1031190. So what did Andrew Stiles claim he's going to do? Did he claim that he's going to take down your walk bridge? Uh, it's coming up for a bid in September. And... Uh, whoever has the best bid is going to get the project. So what does it, does he actually claim? it's He's not going to tear down the walkway, he's going to fix it, right? No, he, they're going to take it down. Well, tell me where it says that in the letter. Let's see. It has, as the aging structure and winter maintenance of this bridge 
has become increasingly hazardous. With the opening of a multiple passage adjacent to Route 81 on Prusty, the, the decision was made to close the bend 1031190. All right, so it's closed, but it doesn't say he's going to tear it down. Well, well, I guess uh, he said it's an aging structure and winter maintenance of this bridge has become increasingly hazardous. The decision was made to close this bid number for the winter season. But but he said it's definitely coming down. He says that in his letter. He, he wrote to you and he said that he will tear down that wall. I it's mean that bridge. definitely coming down. Oh my goodness. So my question to you, Beverly, is what does that mean for people like you in the town of Dickinson, people in that neighborhood who have used the bridge for several decades? Well, Bob, I, if we had, we'll have to walk up to the, up to, up to near, near, near McDonald's where they had opened an area for us. It's called the pedestrian path over Interstate 81. Well, uh, we'll have to walk up to the town to the town of Dickinson McDonald's restaurant and take that path. Make a right. Take that path. That walkway. So that's okay with you. Well, it's not okay with me. I, I mean, but what can I? Do? What can I do? I mean, the the, the 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 government has made up their mind what they're going to do. Well, that's true. I mean, you can't fight the government. It's the same agency that tore down all the houses across the street from my grandma's house and then put in a highway. They tore down dozens, maybe hundreds of homes. So they could put in a highway. They even tore down the uh, the ballpark. Do you remember that? Yep, I remember that, yep. So basically, it's true. Basically, look at what they did for um, to put in the sinking bridge. All those homes that near Shenango Street, in order to build a sinking bridge, they tore down lots of homes off Shenango Street so they could put right. in a bridge that sinks. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where uh, Mike Marinaccio will come on the will come on the on the radio or not, you know. But I'm quite sure everyone got a letter. Well, I find I for one, I for one find it interesting. Well, I find it interesting that no, I find it interesting Andrew Styles would send a letter to you, but not to me. I wonder. I wonder why he didn't send the same letter to me, because he knows, or Andrew Stiles, maybe not Andrew Stiles personally, but I know the people who work in that building, in that agency, in that office. They know of my interest in that that walk bridge. I don't know. Everybody in our community got one. Yeah. Well, maybe they just didn't want it on the radio. Well... I don't know. I don't know. Of, of course, uh, you know some some areas some areas can be sneaky. You know they keep some things to themselves. 
Well, maybe they plan to tear it down in the middle of the night, like during the Super Bowl. And whoever whoever uh, has the best bid will take down the walk bridge. In the meantime, both ends are closed. And did he say when he'll reopen it? Will it at least be reopened in the spring? I don't know. He didn't elaborate on that situation. But as far as I know, it's closed permanently. What about Governor Hochul? Could she overrule this? Well, Governor Hochul is on the top governor. And then there's Marie Theresa, I don't know how it comes to name, D-O-M-I-N-G. U-E-S. Yeah, she's the uh, New York's transportation czar. And Thomas D. Weiser is their uh, regional director. Right, right. He's he's regional director for the Binghamton region, Tom Weiser. I think he listens to the program. Well, I hope he does and, and calls in and, and and gives us a little a little comfort on what to expect. I mean. Uh, you know, I mean, this, well, the, well, the um, Department of Transportation, they they fixed it once. They fixed it once, and but, but for some reason, our, their, their investigators had come out and said that it was deteriorating and it wasn't safe. Well, that's probably true. All right, well, we'll see what happens, maybe. Maybe I'll get hold of uh, Mr. Weiser or Mr. Stiles. Who knows? They're probably listening. They're probably asking themselves what they did to deserve this uh, this kind of publicity. Well, well, Bob, I'm just being honest to you. I mean, uh, if I, I'll have my daughter. I'll have my daughter. I copy the copy the letter. And I'll mail it to you. All right. Thank you. Yeah, okay, I appreciate bye-bye. it. Thanks. Yeah. I suppose I could call them and ask them to send it to me, but could. It's 1149. This is Bob Joseph on your side on a Thursday morning. Still time to talk if you have time to call. 607-772-1290. You're listening to Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. At ma- WNBF 1152. Jim in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Excellent song, by the way. I don't know who picked your music selection, but uh, excellent. Anyway, 
I wanted to chat a little bit about what's going on in the news lately with uh, police brutality and uh, and Wegmans. My uh, my son works at Wegmans, and um, he got you know uh, pepper sprayed on his way home out of work last night. Um, did not uh, participate in any way. Left out the side door went around behind the liquor store to get to his car and just got out of there. But that being said, even though my son got pepper sprayed in the incident and minded his own business, I think what better place than uh, Wegmans where it definitely got the attention. That's what it wanted to do. That was the intent, to get people's attention. And that's why it was held there. I mean, it's, it's, it's... If they if they held it on the Court Street Bridge last night at seven o'clock, it would have gotten a little bit of attention. But where they held it right now, whether people like it or not, that is officially the um, the hub. The hub for most people in Broome County is right there, and that's why they took their protest to that site because they knew they would get attention. They shut down the throughway in Memphis, you know, like if you're trying to get around in Memphis, uh, around the, the freeway, it was shut down uh, for protests for, you know, the the, the assault uh, on um, Tyree. And um, I just also want to say, I think in my heart of hearts, that there are a number of cops that go into the force to be able to uh, physically exert their racism. I think they go in on purpose. Not necessarily all of them are racist. Some go in just with the the intent that, like, uh, I'm going to be a big bad man with a gun. Not all of them. A lot of cops. I know a lot of cops. I have cops that are friends. They're not all like that. But I know that there are others that they will protect and take care of because of the thin blue line and they don't rat on each other. And one more thing, uh, even though those officers were black, um, it's a systemic thing, I believe. And um, this is how, like, we tend to police in in America, in in the black and brown neighborhoods. Very unfortunate. And uh, something needs to be changed legislatively, I believe. End of message. Jim, do you know if any other Wegmans workers got pepper sprayed last night, besides your son? I don't. I don't. Um, I do know that, uh, again, he um, was there. I heard that he was home safe. I'm like, what do you mean he's home safe? I hadn't heard about the protest until uh, after the fact that, you know, my son was looking for the best uh, irrigation uh, for a um, tear gas injury to the eye, you know, like uh, terrible. Just a a kid trying to do his job and uh, got caught up in in a protest, but at the same time, I still support the protest. Well, I appreciate your call. I'm glad your son's okay. It's 1156. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Uncle Sam.
lovely day to be sure. And tomorrow will be lovelier, I'm sure. And that's why we do it. This is Bob Joseph thanking you for your time. (laughs) This time until next time. Hope you enjoyed the program as much as I did. This is WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.